glad you chose to join us today. Today's date is August 30, 2020. The theme for this morning's sermon is uh, following the great deliverance with the subtitle, When God Calls. The text for the day is found in Exodus chapter 3, and I'll be reading the first 15 verses. We left off last week with Moses being raised in Pharaoh's palace as royalty. One's mind can go wild with possibilities as to what that could look like. He was educated, given great opportunities, granted uh, chances to grow in the government through politics, military, or even through education. Opportunities for Moses abound. On a different note, how often was he given the opportunity to visit his nursemaid or his mother? How often did he hear and, and rehear how he was given to the crocodiles, only to be swept away by a princess? How often would he say, tell me again, or how did I escape? How was I rescued? When did he learn about God? The creation of the world or the promise of a great deliverance as Moses matured he became proactive in the Hebrews plight of their inhumane injustices for example at the age of 40 the following is recorded in Exodus chapter 2 one day after Moses had grown up he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he was determined to kill Moses. So Moses flees for his life. He flees to the land of Midian, where he becomes a shepherd, a husband, and a father. Forty years after that is where we find Moses in our text today. He is now 80 years old. Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of his father, his Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of Israel has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Will you bow your head with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, this is a powerful passage of Scripture. Lord, it tells of a, a God of the universe who takes an interest in mankind. But Lord, it's more than a gracious God concerned about the suffering of his people. It is about a God who calls. And it is about a God who uh, can uh, sustain that calling by his presence. But Father, it's more than that. It is a message of how God calls us. And we may not see a burning bush. I would be surprised if we see a bush that burns and not burn up. But just the same, through your Holy Spirit, you speak to your people today. So, Father, we say, speak for your servant is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had a thought from God that you should be doing something, but for this reason or that, you just did not want to do it? So you turn your back on the subject, or you get busy doing something else until the notion disappears, disappears at least for the moment. I will repeat this phrase that I borrowed from Pastor Oliver Swanson. God will accomplish his will with you or without you. Ouch. Oh, I'm not preaching at you. I have a story to tell. I remember the first church I was called to, Fowler, Colorado. The story starts out in my junior year of college where I was taking advanced classes in theology. <laughs> junior and senior years were exciting times for prospective pastors. 
District superintendents from all over North America would visit to interview the, the advanced students. It was fun to hear of all the possibilities that were available to us. Every one of us had a dream of even preaching in the beautiful state of Colorado. But those dreams were dashed when the district superintendent stated that he that we did not need to apply because the ch his churches were always filled. That and Colorado was a landing spot for retiring Nazarene ministers from all around the world. Because of my classes, I was exposed to several pastors who were advancing their degrees and we had many of the same classes together. I would visit with them and let them know that I would gladly fill in for them if they ever wanted to take time off, take a Sunday off. I would do it just to get the experience, and I would do it for free. The pastor of the Fowler Church took me up on it. I was glad to do it, and it was only an hour and a half away. I viewed it as a great family outing and preaching experience. In the summer of my graduating year from college, I, was, I got this call from Dr. Leon Weiss, the district superintendent for Colorado, telling me that the Fowler Church of the Nazarene specifically asked me to be their preacher. Wow, Colorado wasn't even on my list. I declined, however, a couple of reasons. I didn't want to be there. Number one reason. I didn't want the distractions. And I wanted to finish my degree. Also, to be, also, uh, I wanted to be in one of those cool churches the other supers were telling us about. But I was flattered. Several weeks passed, and I get another phone call, same request. I said, no, I wanted to finish what I started. The third time Dr. Weiss called, I refused the request, but this time I can tell it was different. I can tell in my spirit that I grieved God's spirit. I felt miserable. I couldn't sleep that night. I just couldn't get that, that feeling of failure out of my mind. First thing in the morning, I tell Kathy that I blew it. Then I called the district superintendent and explained that if it was not too late, I'd like to be considered for that position. The fall of my senior year of school, I was installed pastor of the Fowler Church of the Nazarene. God was calling Moses. God had his attention by the bush that wouldn't burn took off his shoes and gave him an assignment. Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to lead my people out of Egypt. <laughs> Putting ourselves in this morning's text, Christ followers, God is calling you. Please, I can just hear you say, please, who am I? And I say, Funny you should say that, because that's exactly the words Moses used. Who am I? Seriously. 
If you, have, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you have a mission and calling from God. Seriously. I'm not giving you a, a list, but it tells you that you know already. I believe in my heart that you know in your heart what God wants you to do. In the quietness of your heart, what is God saying to you? That is your spiritual mission. Whatever that voice is saying, we, you and I, are to be obedient. Here's the thing. It might not make sense to you. You may be asked to do something that makes you feel uncomfortable. It might be out of your skill set. You might even think it's impossible for you to accomplish it. Putting ourselves in the text today, that's all normal to think, but not okay to do. To not do what God asks you to do is to say, God is not really God in your life. I know that sounds harsh. By lack of obedience, however, you were saying that God is unable to do something, anything, in your life. God is going to accomplish his purpose in this world, with you or without you. What will it be? Moses said, who am I? God said, I will be with you. Moses replies, well, you can hear the excuse. Okay, here's the thing, God. Who shall I tell them when they, what should I, who shall I tell them when they ask who sent me? What shall I tell them? God answers, the I am who I am has sent you. Last week, Kathy and I were discussing this very topic. It came up in our devotional, the I am. How it must have spoke and still speaks to the Hebrews. And what, what and what, and when they hear uh, verses like this, I got that messed up, excuse me. That I am, how it speaks to the Hebrews and what they hear versus how we in the Western world hear it. Our culture has so tamed and softened our creator to, well, I guess so. Well, maybe God can. And that softness, that uh, a taming of God hurts my heart. I feel like our faith is so questioned and attacked that pretty soon even the elect, the Christ follower will say, who, when God calls, I have trouble putting in the words that I am, who that is. But he is the one who spoke our world into existence. He is the one who ended all life for all creatures who take breath through their nostrils if they did not get on Noah's Ark. He is the God that every knee will bow down to when he brings judgment to the earth. He is the one everyone will have to give an accounting to 
It is he who is the first and the last. It is he, the I am, who is calling you. If it is the he, the great I am, who is calling you, don't you think he would empower you to accomplish his purpose in you? You think it might be impossible. God, the I am says, I will be with you. Whatever he started in you, he will accomplish through you. It's a promise. Think on these words described in the scene from the last days. Revelation 4. Before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were, the four, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before who, him who sits on the throne and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before them, the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being oh man yes it is he who is calling you it is he who will be empowering you and I'm telling you God will accomplish his will with you without you. Will you bow your head with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are not going to stop you. You are accomplishing your will even as my voice is being heard right now. But dear Father, the great I am As you call, may we say yes to you and no to Satan. Yes to you, yes to Jesus, yes to your Holy Spirit, and no to the poles of this world. And as you accomplish your will, may we be the servants that say, yes, Lord, send me. Yes, Lord. My answer is yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I know he who calls will also empower. 
Next week in the sermon, The Great Deliverance, we're going to look at the last plague, the Passover. Also, so that you can prepare, we will be receiving communion next Sunday as well. It just really fits into the sermon. Uh, instead of doing it the third Sunday, I'm going to do it the first Sunday, just this Sunday, though. God bless you. And say yes to Jesus and no to the world.